0: Dylan Cruz and the Nationals' top prospects next on this edition of the Talk Nats podcast. Well, hello and welcome into this edition of the Talk Nats podcast. I'm so glad you decided to join me today. As always, this podcast is free and available on all the major platforms. So when you're using your podcatcher of choice, make sure and hit that follow or subscribe button. That way you will know when the new podcasts are available. My name is Dan Holman. You can find me on Twitter. It's at DanCaps218. You can find the show on Twitter. It's at Talk Nats. Today's episode is brought to you by Manscaped. Take 20% off plus free shipping when you use promo code MINUTECAST at manscaped.com. So in this edition of the Talk Nats podcast, we are happy to have Lindsey Crosby of MLB Prospects and a freelance writer for Major League Baseball here. Lindsay, welcome to the show.
1: Thanks for having me. Always glad to uh, get to talk Washington Nationals. Uh, just a, a team that I see quite a bit being on the East coast. And so happy to do it. It's great to have you on the show. I watch your podcast, uh, locked on
0: MLB prospects all the time and always just a wealth of knowledge. Even if it's not about the nationals, <laughs> I can learn a thing or two about prospects around major league baseball, but The biggest uh, move that was made at the draft or the selection, shall we say, was Mm -hmm. Dylan Cruz. And uh, he got the call up. He was playing in the Florida League. He went three for three. And then over the weekend, he uh, got promoted to the A-team, the Fred Nats, Fredericksburg Nationals. Uh, The first game, he went uh, 0 for 5. But like our friends at Talk Nats wanted to point out, he had, he put the ball in play for four of those. So, Mm -hmm. uh, you know, he's getting that kind of production. Uh, But then on Sunday, he gets a bomb of a home run. He just cranked his first professional home run 416 feet and 105 miles per hour off the bat. Pretty impressive, all things considered. Talk to me a bit about Dylan Cruz and ultimately what kind of player do they have in him? Yeah
1: he was a guy going into the MLB draft. He was, or going into that final season, he was consensus number one pick. Like he is the guy, he is the best talent in there. And the top of the draft never always works out chalk based on talent because of the money and things like that. But I still think, I mean, he was a first round talent coming out of high school and did nothing in college to show that he was not that guy. He was, I believe he was two at bats away from a perfect 500 on base percentage. Like, that's how good he is. And he's shown that exact same skill set so far in the pros. The raw power is very good. I'd call it at least plus, if not more. He can get that power into games. That's always the big question, right? Is how does the power translate into games? Your power tool is only as good as your hit tool. He doesn't really have holes at the plate. He can handle good velocity. He can handle spin. He can't get... He's not vulnerable uh, in or away, up or down. He just has a good control of the strike zone and is very good. The thing that I've impressed with, you mentioned how he always put the ball in play. I'm very impressed with his ability to understand not just what is a ball versus what is a strike. That's the basic level of pitch recognition. But to understand what is a drivable pitch versus what is not. And so even when he's in a disadvantage count, he may be in a... You know a one two count or an oh two count he can still identify this is a pitch that i can make contact with and put it into play and give myself a chance versus swinging and missing at something that that's advanced pitch recognition that we don't see from a lot of prospects and so to me dylan cruz has the potential to be a top five outfielder at his position when he gets to the major leagues like that's the ceiling on a dylan cruz
0: yeah, it's exciting for me. And, uh, you know, you can kind of just see his path going up that much quicker than I think ultimately any th- anyone thought. I know that he got drafted, and let's face it, the Nationals didn't get the season that they were looking for this year. But uh, for him to make that promotion to single A-ball, mm-hmm. still a big deal. For you, who, you know, uh, drafts and all this is your specialty, what is your trajectory for Dylan Cruz? Uh,
1: to me, the what makes a lot of sense to me is to see him in A-ball, Uh, right now. And then as the season in the minor league starts to wind down, everything's staggered by about a week from when A ends to high A to double A to triple A. And when one season ends to have him go to the next, right? So he'll he'll probably spend a week in high A and then he'll probably spend a week in double A. At the end of this year, I would look for him to start in double A next year with the mindset of, Our goal is to get him to the majors by the end of the season, give him two or three weeks in the bigs, enough to preserve rookie eligibility, but for him to see how his stuff plays at the major league level and then make a run for rookie of the year in 2025. It it feels like that fits the competitive window, what the Nationals are looking for, that, and that also, not service time manipulation, but it's just the best way to handle the incentives that come along with a rookie of the year campaign. But I'm absolutely looking to get him at double A next year to start the year and in the bigs by the end of next season.
0: And that's one of the things for me, and I try to tell this to other Nationals fans on my podcast, is that this team wasn't that good this year and they weren't good last year. And I don't know about next year, but if you can kind of look to the horizon, Uh, you can kind of see this team being pretty good in years to come. Uh, Taking a look at Cruz a little bit more, just his accolades and accomplishments, he won the Golden Spikes Award as the nation's best player for stellar junior season. Cruz tied for third in the nation, batting average 0.426, ranked second in on-base percentage 0.567, tied for 39th in slugging percentage. Uh, So there were some fans within the Nationals that were a little upset that they didn't end up getting Paul Skeens. As we know, he went to the Pirates and uh, reading about him, he said, I want to help the Pirates win a World Series. Uh, I appreciate that optimism. I don't know if that's going to happen, but I want to drink what he's having. Do you think that the Nationals uh, were better off by getting Dylan Cruz, or do you think that they would have been better getting Paul Skeens?
1: I think ultimately as much as I like the idea of being able to draft a pitcher with the ceiling of a number one, because it is so hard to get those guys in free agency. I feel like Dylan Cruz can make more of an impact on the Nationals over the course of a season, simply because he plays every single day. And what I love is now you can have two very, very good outfield prospects that they're not on the same timeline. Obviously he's ahead of the next, you know, of some of these guys. But you can have two very good outfield prospects in James Wood and uh, uh, and Dylan Cruz be kind of the core of the next competitive team. And then you've got plenty of options for who is that third player with them. Is it a Robert Hassel? Is it Elijah Green? Is it Christian Vaquero? But to me, building that offense, getting where the offense and the defense can help your pitchers out gives you a little bit of runway versus taking a pitcher that is going to pitch one every five days and you still have to figure out the rest of the rotation. So you would have been fine with either. I think the only way the Nationals could have messed this up would have been to not take one of the two LSU guys. But I do think Dylan Cruz can have more of a day-to-day impact on your club.
0: So the other big uh, prospect or that the player they drafted was Johandy Morales, uh, another potential player that could you know, help this team, hopefully sooner than later, third baseman. I know that they have Brady House in that position as well. Uh, talk to me a little bit about you know, Handy Morales and what your projections are for him.
1: So I think that offensively, he's got above average power. The question's going to be, um, can he continue to limit his strikeouts and can he maximize the contact quality? I mean, the exit velos are fantastic. He gets tons of barrels but what he needs to do to make things work at the major league level is that second level of pitch recognition like dylan cruz has too often you know he's because he's going for that max exit velo and that big hit he sometimes makes suboptimal contact so if he can work on the approach and not have the approach be so aggressive i think he's a guy that best case scenario is going to be an above average third baseman I do think he has the ability to play some corner outfield. If you decided that either you like Brady House better at third as far as a, he has a bigger arm, more reliable, you know, reliable point, you could move Morales to a corner and he could be your third of the three outfielders. But I really do like what he does as far as limiting strikeouts and his, his impact he can make at the plate.
0: Yeah, I'm excited about it. And uh, one of the things that we were talking about a little bit in the pre-interview was this team that before, you know, they uh, had Max Scherzer on this team and when they had uh, uh, Juan Soto on this team. That their prospect pool wasn't that great, but it has grown exponentially uh, since that movement. Uh, Just taking a look at what the Nats got uh, for uh, Juan Soto, uh, Mackenzie Gore, Jarlin Susanna, Robert Hassel, C.J. Abrams, James Wood, and then who they got for Max Scherzer, Trey Turner, which we're already seeing him, or excuse me, Trey Turner, who went to the Dodgers, now playing for the Phillies, uh, Kbert Ruiz, Josiah Gray, Donovan Casey. So we're already starting to see returns on those players. As we know, Kbert Ruiz is the everyday starter for the Nationals, Josiah Gray uh, is showing promise. And then, of course, uh, CJ Abrams is killing it at shortstop. This is your area of expertise for you. Who are some of the Nationals' top prospects, and who should we
1: get to know a little bit better? So some of the guys that I've really been impressed with this year, I already mentioned James Wood a few times, as well as Brady House. Uh, I do think that Jarlin Susana is a guy that gets slept on a little bit, maybe because he's at such a lower level. But I think the fastball is so very good for Jarlin Susana. And so much as... As much as Major League Baseball has moved to not be fastball dominant, right? The fastballs are thrown, you know, just around half of the time now when it used to be a lot higher. I do think that his fastball is so good, sits high 90s. uh, And a lot of the characteristics that it has, the the flat approach angle and things like that are so good that it makes the power slider play up. It makes the changeup play up. And so I think he's a guy that has the potential to be one of those frontline starters in the future provided that he can continue to improve these pitches uh, and then keep the get biomechanically get the repeatable delivery that he can uh use to pound the strike zone I think he's uh, a piece that everybody kind of thinks is a throw in and I really think is one of the better pieces that came back in that trade and exciting. that that's what I'm talking about. And then you take a look at the outfield as
0: well. It seems like the Nationals are going to be stacked in the outfield mm-hmm. in the future. um and uh, it's it's just going to be interesting ultimately to see who stays on this team uh, and who goes. But uh, taking a look um at the Candelario deal, uh, we know that uh, the Nationals acquired Candelario, you know, potentially to just flip him. And that's what it ultimately was. they They got him from the Detroit Tigers. Uh, his last season with the Tigers. He did not play that well he came here and the Nats and the training staff and the coaches were able to fine-tune his game and had a pretty good season all things considered so let's talk here briefly about uh who the nationals got in return kevin made and dj hurts uh kevin made a shortstop and dj hurts a pitcher here talk to me about ultimately who the nationals are
1: getting in those players so Real quick, before I get into those guys, I want to point out the Candelario signing. That's exactly what a rebuilding team should do. Uh, uh, Hitters and then especially pitchers. You should be going out and signing pitchers to one-year deals. We've seen deadline deals and what players cost, especially pitching. I would expect this offseason, the Nationals to go out, sign some veteran pitchers with the intention of flipping them at the deadline. So they handled that perfectly. But when you look at these two guys, DJ Herz and Kevin Mayne, Uh, DJ Herz was a multi-sport athlete, and that's become a lot more popular among draft folks now, where they like to go out and get a guy who played uh, baseball, but also football, basketball, things like that. And it's something where he hasn't had the consistency that he necessarily needs to have. The stuff itself is good. Uh, The fastball sits 94 or so, which is not mind-blowing velocity, but one, it's from a lefty. We expect a little bit softer velocity there. And then he gets really good deception with the fastball because he's delivering across the body. And so it's hard to pick up the ball out of the hands So it kind of jumps on on hitters. To go with that, he's got a really good changeup. It blends very well with the fastball. The arm speed's the same, has a vertical breaking curveball. The issue is he's got to be more consistent with throwing strikes. And then it's something where he, and, and, and because of that, we saw him struggle in Double A because guys weren't as consistently chasing the stuff. Like he was getting by in A ball with folks chasing. We have to get them to be better at uh, throwing throwing strikes so that they actually go and and hit it for a strike.
0: Yeah, and uh that's you know that's what we're hoping for at the end of the day is to get solid returns uh for these players and ultimately I think so just taking a look at the Candelario uh mm-hmm. deal if you are going to grade this A
1: through F what would you grade it I think I'm going to give it a B and and simply because we didn't really see hitters going for uh going for large compensation at this trade deadline, right? This wasn't like last year where you had a superstar in Juan Soto with multiple years of control. And so, of all of the hitters that were traded, this was by far the best return, simply because of the potential of these guys. Kevin Made is a very good defensive shortstop. The question is, he needs to be able to hit. Uh, DJ Herz has really good tools. It's just a matter of, of refinement and being consistent. So, given what was traded and, and given what was available, I think the Nationals did a really good job of maximizing value, getting two prospects that have a path to playing time, provided they fix some of those issues. Now, Kevin Maid's issue is a little bit bigger than DJ Herr's. I mean, it's, it's offense in general, but uh, for the most part, really good job of maximizing what they could get for these guys and at positions where they needed some more depth as far as a really good defensive infielder and left, left-handed pitching prospects.
0: So I think the arrow's pointing up for this team. You might not know it by looking at them this year, but I'm going to ask you a question. I want you to grade the Nationals prospects before the Max Scherzer and Juan Soto deal. What were their prospects like? How would you grade it then? And what would you grade it present day?
1: So before the trades, I think I would have said the Nationals were probably at best in that middle tier as far as uh, farm system rankings, you know, somewhere between 12 and 20, right? Uh, but as I look at the system right now, I'm calling this a top five system in baseball. Uh, and it's it's something where I think this, the, the position player side is stronger than the pitching side. And some of that is because some of the pitchers like Draw and Susana are farther away or you're dealing guys who are dealing with injuries like a Cade Cavalli, but there's promise here. And the position player prospects could be so incredibly good if they pan out. I mean, you've got two outfielders that are probably, if you're giving the scouting grades, probably 60 future values yeah. sitting out there, and that's not, I don't think any other system right now, I would say, has two 60-grade guys in their system, at, like, right now. And so, because of that, even if you don't, you don't even count the rest, the Nationals are probably a top-five system based off of that alone.
0: And that's quite an about face to where they were before. So, mm-hmm. you know, covering this team and being a fan for quite some time. Uh, when Max Scherzer and Trey Turner got dealt, it was hard for me. I loved Trey Turner, a, a dynamic shortstop, kind of a smaller guy, but had pop to his bat, great defense. Max Scherzer at this point, let's face it, he's going to go where they pay him the most money. Uh, and then you take a look at Juan Soto, who's had kind of, you know, a mixed path with the Padres. I, I think that the Padres are an interesting team for me. They can make the biggest acquisitions in the world and they cannot turn it into a World Series, shall we say. So it's interesting how some of these teams toil year after year. You could put the Mets in that same category as well. If I want to bring it a little bit closer to home uh, that, uh, you know, all the moves that they made, you know, when uh, Verlander and Scherzer got sent out of town, sometimes the best laid plans go to waste. Listen, Lindsay, I want to thank you for joining us on this edition of the Talk Nats podcast Listen to this guy on Locked on MLB Prospects,
1: a world of knowledge, but beyond that, where can we find your work? So I'm on Twitter at Crosby Baseball. That's kind of the hub for everything, but obviously, like you said, Locked on MLB Prospects. I also do a lot of work uh, with college baseball because obviously that ties into prospects as well as uh, always watching minor league and major league games. You'll actually be able to hear me on the call of Tampa Bay's AA affiliate, the Montgomery Biscuits later this month.
0: So thank you once again for joining us on this edition, and I would love to have you on again in the future. Of course, thanks.